Welcome to Behave Intelligently, an uncensored exploration of behavior in the workplace, life, and the larger world. I'm your host, Jay Johnson, and thank you for joining this week's edition where we're going to talk about mindfulness. I'm joined by our, some of our behavioral all-stars from COEA's creative group. We have Mark Garrison. Hello. Stephanie Sim. Hello. And Madison Bennett is not with us today, but we were able to capture her thoughts on mindfulness that we're gonna be able to share with you. Yeah, so mindfulness is something that you have brought to the team quite a bit, Stephanie. And uh, you know, we just recently released a podcast with your beautiful narration of a guided meditation. Talk me through that. How was, uh, how was that experience delivering that, that uh, meditation? Honestly, it was kind of uh, meditative in itself, uh, having to put yourself into the soothing voice space. So um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I simultaneously gave the meditation and experienced it. <laughs> I have been listening to your mindfulness meditation pretty much every morning for the last week and a half, and it's been really Yeah. Oh, that's so good to hear. Oh, and shout out. Shout out to our listener, Sue, for emailing us about it. Yeah, thank you, Sue. But let's, let's define mindfulness because I think a lot of people uh, either get confused about it or are not sure. Maybe they think it's touchy-feely or it's overly emotional. But what would you say, and, and I'll kind of point to you on this leading the uh, charge, Stephanie, but what would you say, how would you define mindfulness? Yes, so I think that it is a kind of like a, a frame of mind or a state of being where you are solely focused on the present moment and your awareness of yourself, your body, your feelings, your experiences, and the sensation of noticing that and how that brings you into the present moment. And I would say that it is, um, it's acknowledged as a form of meditation. It's not necessarily the thing you automatically think of when you think meditation, you know, sitting cross-legged, emptying yourself of thoughts. Rather, it's, it's, um, it's actually honing your thoughts in very specifically um, on yourself without, here's the key, without judgment or evaluation of what you're experiencing, just noticing. So I like that. Let's go to what Madison had uh, said about this concept. I personally believe that mindfulness is inherently its own thing, but I see a lot of overlap between that and self-care. Um, specifically, in one way I practice mindfulness is when I'm starting to feel overwhelmed or stressed, I like to go on a walk or a run because it lets me clear my mind, which ultimately lets me focus on the task I have at hand better. Um, but that's where it overlaps for me is because fitness is a form of self-care for me. So one thing I also do with a lot of my clients in my 305 classes, which I've talked about many times on this podcast, um, is some controlled breathing at the end of all my classes. So there's a little stretching section, and at the very end, I have a moment of stillness where I just have clients sit down, and I guide them through some controlled breathing, so that's some deep breaths in and out, and I tell them to use this as a moment to focus on themselves and the way that they're feeling, the way their body's feeling. There's a lot to unpack there. I, I think let, let's start with presence, right? Like our being in the present moment. Because I think that for a lot of us, we really struggle with that being in the present moment. What, 
you know, what is something that I can do to maybe stay present or what are some things that you guys do to like really kind of enjoy, you know, I, I think of maybe like uh, doing a food tasting or something like that. I know, Mark, you've done a lot of different like food tours when we travel and things like that. Like, how do you get into that moment in time and really just engage that moment? You know, that's tough. Um, and this is a topic, like, I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about mindfulness, but I also think I know a lot without knowing it. Some people are more naturally mindful than other people. And some people really need to practice. Yeah, like I, like I, I probably practice things, I do stuff, but I don't really know exactly how it all applies to the topic of mindfulness. So when I do, um, you know, when we travel, we do food tastings, we go and do um, wine tastings or, you know, things like that. Um, we try to do stuff where when we're traveling, we're experiencing that particular country or that, that area. And, you know, while I'll be one that, you know, does the occasional Instagram photo of something, um, that's more of an afterthought and I'm really trying to stay focused on what's going on there. So my, my first reaction is not about taking that picture or, you know, playing on my phone. Like we're really trying to live that experience. Um, but one of the other things that I think is just more natural to me is I love watching people. And so I really just, when I'm there, I, I watch what's going on. I'm observing what's happening, um, learning cultures, practices, things like that through maybe some, some level of observation. So you're gonna laugh at this, Mark. And we were, Stephanie has been working with me. She's put together an incredible mindfulness training, like an actual full-on Coeus Creative Group training that's going to help empower people to be more mindful. So that's going to be released here very soon. But we were actually talking about different members of the team. And I said, ironically, I think Mark is going to say that I, I'm not that familiar with mindfulness, but I think Mark is probably one of the more mindful people on the team. So I think it's really funny that you just said that. Um, what I'm hearing and what I'm hearing from both of you maybe a little bit is Mindfulness really does come down to somewhat the power of noticing and it's power of noticing both internal and external. So noticing the environment, what you're doing, being aware of it, having sort of a hyper or an acute awareness of everything going around, but also to an extent, a hyper acute awareness to the things that are going on inside of you. So emotionally or uh, just physiologically, like what is your body doing? How is it reacting? How's it feeling right now? And I think that both of those worlds, the internal and the external really help to make that presence in a moment. Would that make sense? Yeah, I would say yes. Yeah. And that, that is something I was going to say too, is that Mark, you're kind of known for your observational skills and mindfulness is actually a, a, a tool that people can use to sharpen their observational skills. So you're already one step ahead. <laughs> and, and to me, and, and, you know, let me know if I'm wrong on this, but mindfulness or being mindful is 
something, it's like an activity or an exercise you have to regularly practice. Like the same as I'm trying to build any other skill. Um, but this is more of a, what, what would you call it? Maybe like a psychological exercise, a, a, a brain activity. Is that? Yeah, I like the word brain activity. It makes it seem a little less intimidating because like the, the exercises themselves are actually quite short and simple. And I think that being mindful is something that's thrown out there as just like a phrase like, oh, you know, just be mindful of traffic today, which people refer to it as keep it in mind. But that's a little different from mindfulness, the practice, the brain activity practice. So maybe that's where we're getting a little bit of dual understanding. And I like the distinguishing of practicing, right? Because it is a skill. And, you know, for example, how many times have you gone to do the dishes and you're sitting there and you're doing the dishes and your hands are busy and they're, and they're working, but your mind is completely on something else. You're thinking about uh, tomorrow's workload. You're thinking about the laundry that you have to do. You're thinking about um, so many different things rather than necessarily being in that present moment or experiencing the sensation of doing the dishes, which I know it sounds crazy, right? Like who loves doing the dishes? Not very many people, but that very experience, uh, something can be learned from it and something can be experienced uh, at a higher level in many cases, if you're focused on that present moment or the action. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, now, the dish example, I, I can't really relate to. But yes, I, I think that's, you know, I, I'll experience it when I'm driving somewhere. Like, I just get from point A to point B, but I've processed through about probably a billion different thoughts or different topics in my head as I was driving. And all of a sudden, I'm there and I'm like, whoa, how did that happen? You know, sort of autopilot. And that is, I think sort of the same example of what you're talking about is where you're not really in the zone of whatever you're doing. Yeah, and I, and I like that sort of autopilot because so much of our life we go through on autopilot that we're sort of abandoning the experiences. And, and maybe that's an interesting curve. Why do we, uh, you know, why does our mind wander? Why do we start to get away from noticing that present moment? And, and what's the impact of that? You know, one of the things in the car example, if your mind wanders too far, you start uh, being distracted or, you know, it could obviously have some potential consequences. But like, what about something in everyday life? You know, you're, you're sitting there at your computer, you're, you're working, especially in this remote environment. How do we stay mindful to our experience and how do we stay mindful even to ourselves? Because we'll get to, I think we'll get to the emotional and the internal side of mindfulness a little bit, but how do we, <clears throat> what's the impact maybe of a loss of mindfulness or a loss of that focus? Okay, well, you mentioned, um, I will get there, but you mentioned that in this remote time, um, people's relationship to mindfulness may be different because the mind wanders more. And I think that because of this remote time and also because of this time in history in terms of our technological advancement, it's very easy to um, have your mind split in a hundred different ways because there's so much information we're constantly being bombarded with through our phone notifications, through an uh, endless 
you know, sea of like Google searches and Twitter feeds and social media. And I think that um, now that information travels in such a fast paced manner, um, we can consume it at, at an incredible rate. And so of course our brains are going to want to latch onto all of this at once. And um, I think that, that that's why mindfulness is, uh, is really helpful now because it's counter to our entire culture. Well, I think that's interesting too, is, you know, can mindfulness help our attention span? Uh, people seemingly nowadays, we can't even watch a YouTube video that's more than a minute long or, you know, constantly scrolling, looking for the next piece of stimulation. How does mindfulness maybe help us bring back that attention span or expand our attention span? Let's see what Madison's perspective might be on this situation. For me, the biggest takeaway is that it forces me to focus because that's something I really struggle with throughout the workday, especially being at home, is focusing and getting distracted easily. I think on, on, on that, one of the things I do is, and it, and it drives me nuts with some people, right, is notifications. They get a notification, mm -hmm. bing, or chime, or whiz, or vibrate, whatever it is on their phone, tablet, computer, and their attention goes that way. I have all my notification sounds and alerts off on my phone. So if you're ever talking to me in person, that I'm not going to get interrupted by a notification that I have to automatically just grab my phone and check to see what's going on. And I know so many people that um, get distracted by that. And I think that's a, to me, that's a step in mindfulness. I'm being present in whatever I'm doing. And just because we have that ability to instantly communicate doesn't mean that we have to. I think that that is a, a very astute observation because the expectation is text message is immediate. I mean, we're having a conversation, typing it back and forth, or email has to be responded to. And we have that sort of uh, that drive to get in there and see what's next, or what did somebody send? Is it good news? Is it bad news? And immediately get something out in a response to that. Um, but, you know, in the research, a lot of CEOs, especially the, the really successful ones, they, they practice um, sort of that attentional focus where they say, all right, this is the time structure that I'm going to answer emails and I'm not going to worry about my emails in between that time structure. And if you're the CEO of a billion dollar, you know, enterprise or anything else, and you can, uh, you know, ignore your email for eight hours, then why can't, you know, the normal person uh, leave alone their social media, their text messages, or their emails. And I just, I find that to be a really interesting thing. But being aware of it and, and going back into that mindfulness, being aware of our behaviors is obviously one of the first steps of being able to change our behaviors, which is, you know, the practice that we try to do at Coeus Creative Group is help people to change a behavior. And I think mindfulness really is kind of uh, almost the first step. We always talk about awareness being a key. And to circle back to your question about what happens if you don't embrace mindfulness at all, I think you can get swept up in the, uh, the information flow and swept up in the speed of society, I guess. Um, and like, I, I find myself, um, just living in a, a bit of a blur sometimes. I'm like, I don't even know what I did this week. Or you just forget to 
to really experience things as Mark kind of does naturally taking in the moment. And I know you said we're gonna get into the emotional part later, but I think uh, mindfulness is really key in interpersonal communication because it strengthens your emotional awareness, which helps you be able to communicate your needs to others and like understand what other people are feeling and experiencing. So I think that a, a consequence of, of not practicing mindfulness is maybe more difficulty in your relationships. Yeah, I can definitely see that, especially with, you know, a lot of people I think would look at mindfulness and go, oh, that's just hippy dippy do and, you know, not really pay attention to it. But it really is, it really is that, that focus, that, that understanding, how am I reacting to a situation? Why did I feel this way? Not necessarily, like you said, and going back to something originally, you had said doing it without judgment. I want to I want to get into that a little bit too before we, especially before we get into the emotional side. What does it mean to be mindful of a situation without judgment? Cuz as human beings, we are we're very judgmental. We have uh you know, we understand the world from a binary, us versus, you know, internal how I feel or how I see things as compared to the world or, you know, the the external side of that. So, how do we get into mindfulness and not, you know, judge? How do we see that experience or how do we learn something else without understanding it from that judgment point? I'm not sure that we can fully understand it, but I think we can observe it and try to understand it. Right. I, I think okay. there's, I think I want to be clear is I don't think we can fully comprehend what the other person's doing because we don't know what's going on in their head at that time but we can try to use behavioral intelligence and psychology, communication, all those different areas to get an, a good understanding of what is probably happening or might be happening um, and doing that through uh, observation and kind of watching what's happening and not trying to stop any kind of judgment is just by focusing on, the, to me, this is how I do it, is just focusing on the observation of it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I, I guess I, I don't think I explained that well. It's that um, it, mindfulness like puts a gap between um, the, like the experience and then your reaction to the experience because you take a moment you, like to notice it and, and the without judgment is like, oh, this is a thing that's happening. Here are the facts of the situation. I'm gonna, I'm gonna recognize that before I jump to conclusions, before I project onto this, or before I yada, yada, yada. So it's sort of the exact opposite of what most people do on social media comments every day is what you're saying? <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, right. So there's a, actually one of my favorite authors, his name's Max Boserman. He's a faculty member at Harvard University. He's written a couple of books, Blind Spots, Negotiating Rationally. But he put out a book that is called The Power of Noticing. And it's just a phenomenal read. And it's all about how leaders make better decisions, how uh, salespeople massively increase their sales capacity and everything else just by having that sort of presence in the moment. Uh, so this is very well founded in both psychological and neuroscience literature that, you know, that, that in the moment, that presence, that awareness 
is, is linked to, in many cases, positive behavioral outcomes. So I, I like to think about, you know, one of the things that used to be on every single resume when somebody would put it out is excellent multitasker. How does multitasking fit into this concept of mindfulness? Because I mean, that's something that's a very common, uh, whether personal or professional, we all think we are very, very good at multitasking. And brain science, neuroscience has shown that your brain actually only focuses on one thing at a time. We're just very adept at switching back and forth between different thoughts or different activities or different actions. So how can mindfulness maybe help us in our understanding of something like multitasking or single tasking or any of those other concepts that we're hearing a little bit more about? Well, I don't wanna say that multitasking is a bad thing because it's not. And I also want to say that you, you're not expected to be in a state of total mindfulness 100% of the time. It's kind of impossible to, to hone in your focus that sharply for your entire day. So that's not what we're trying to say here, but I guess, so I just want to preface this conversation with that. <laughs> I'm not here to condemn multitasking. It would hurt my heart. I think one thing when it comes to multitasking, a lot of people will include, I want to say almost like emotion in the decision-making of how they're switching tasks. I think mindfulness looks at just that, here's the situation, here's the facts, here's the figures. And so it allows them to switch better in between tasks. Um, at least that's a little bit of how I work. Uh, I look at it and go, okay, what's the most logical process when I'm switching tasks instead of just, well, this one's super important to me, I wanna get this one done first. Well, that might be super important, but that might take the most time or might be the most complex. And so I, I'm able to step back, observe what the tasks are and process them in that manner. And I think that might be a, a way mindfulness can be applied to um, multitasking or switching. Prioritization even, mindful prioritization. Sure. And I think, you know, you made a comment earlier about mindfulness being viewed as sort of like a hippie type thing. And I think a lot of that comes from maybe who or how it's being presented. And so I think there is a lot of value in how mindfulness might be presented to somebody and how that ties into multitasking or things like that. Um, because if it's presented in a psychological approach, if it's, if it's applied or can teach you how to apply it to your job or what you're doing um, and taking that more mindfulness approach, almost like mindfulness approach to business or mindfulness approach to this or that um, can change a little bit of how it's viewed and how it's applied. Because I think a lot of people might view it as only focusing on the bigger picture, you and your life, right? When I think we can also look at it as those little micro tasks or those micro subjects, I guess, um, of work or, you know, Stephanie mentioned earlier, I think relationships and looking at it from those kind of groupings. 
Yeah, let's go to that sort of emotional side that you mentioned too, because I, I think that that is, is where people start to feel that sort of hippy dippy is like, oh, I got to get in touch with my emotions and, and so on and so forth, which is, you know, you can look at- You do though. <laughs> right? Well, you can look at that as, you can look at that as the touchy feely, or you can look at the emotions in many cases as being the triggers for our behavior. And when we can understand our emotions a little bit better, we can actually manage our behaviors a little bit better, which most people don't look at behavioral management as quote, hippy dippy, right? So uh, one of the things that I love about mindfulness is, you know, obviously meditation is a practice that helps us to do this, but it's really becoming aware of some things that we don't normally focus on. Like, right, we don't, unless, and there's a specific name for this disease and I don't remember what it is, but unless you have the specific disease where you have to actually consciously think about breathing, and yes, that does exist, which is kind of terrible. I mean, think about that. If you ever had to like, okay, breathe in, and like you forgot, that's actually, there's a disease, uh, there's a, in abnormal psychology that people actually have to think about breathing. But for most of us, we don't have to think about it. We don't have to think about, um, you know, how our hands are, say, feeling on a normal day unless there's a pain or a trigger or something like that. We don't think about uh, how the wind feels against our skin, per se, unless there's some kind of... Uh, unless there's some kind of serious up or serious down, you know, a cool or a hot. So we don't think about those different elements, but the neuroscience really does show that when we do focus on something we don't have to think about, it helps us build an awareness of autonomic systems, which our emotions are autonomic. We don't get to necessarily control them, but being aware of them. So how do you necessarily become aware of those things uh, and, and maintain focus when it's something you don't have to? You don't have to be mindful of your breathing. You don't have to be mindful of your physiological state, but how do we do that? How do we connect mindfulness to emotion? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, how do we become, how do we actually look at something that is automatic or autonomic? right? We don't, we don't have to look at our breathing. How do you focus on something like your breathing when you're not necessarily having to? Practice. You just, you really, you practice it. You focus on that. You're in that moment when you're doing it. Um, you know, I'm going to tie it back to, I think I've mentioned this before. Um, I like bourbon and whiskeys. And so I do a lot of different, um, Visits to, visits to distilleries and do tastings and things like that. And yeah, you can go and taste a bourbon or whiskey and be like, oh, this tastes good, this tastes bad, or this one tastes a little bit this way. But some of the best experiences are when the guides have you look at the glass. What does the liquid look like? What does it smell like? What does it taste like? Some will have you put it on your hands and touch and feel it smell your hands. And so it's, yeah, I'm still doing the same thing. I'm tasting whiskey or bourbon and going, do I like it or not like it? But it's taking into all the different senses and really focusing on what you're doing, that experience. And I think that same concept can be applied to a task such as breathing. If you're listening to, if you're listening to the sounds of you breathing, 
if you're feeling what your body is reacting when you're breathing, you know, things like that. So what I'm hearing from you is it's, it's an intentionality. Your intention has to be the focus on that because I could just pick up a glass and take a drink and not think anything of where did it come from? How was it created? Who packaged it? Who distributed it? I just, I just grab the, the beverage and I drink it versus the intention of, of going through that. And that kind of takes me to uh, an experience that I had. I, I attended a mindfulness and eating training at one point in time at a conference I was at. And it was really interested, in, interesting because they served us lunch and the first course out was a salad. And the person actually talked us through while we were eating. So it was, I want you to think about this lettuce and I want you to really focus on the lettuce. Where did this lettuce come from? Have you ever thought about, you know, the farmer who uh, diligently works and, and gets up at six o'clock in the morning and thinks, you know, and does this in order to provide food for his family to put food on your table? Or, you know, the farmer that, uh, you know, where she goes out every, every month and has to harvest this crop. And literally, I mean, walk through from there to the packaging, to the transportation. And, and kind of getting us to think about like, now experience the taste, experience the crunch, experience the, you know, the level of uh, liquid, uh, you name it, and walked us through that. I think it took me probably 25 minutes to eat a very, very small salad. Um, but if I'm looking back and I'm being honest, I can actually like almost remember the taste of that salad like it's just so it was such a powerful experience because i wasn't rushing to eat the salad and get back to my next thing it was part of the experience yeah no things like that um you know we do wine tastings and in the tastings they'll talk about what the weather was like for this last harvest season when they made the wines you know oh it was a hot year it was a dry year it was a wet year it was colder you know, and can you taste the change in the sugars? Can you taste this? Can you taste that? Um, it's it's very much me memorable about what you're what you're experiencing. But I think it's, you know, you said the intention of of what you're doing, but I think it's the intention and the attention of what's happening. Sure, you have to, you know, you have to have both of those to truly make make that a uh, an experience that you're a part of versus just being present. So Stephanie, when you had mentioned a lack of judgment, if I may say I'm, say I'm experiencing, can, you, can we relate that to um, I'm experiencing a salad or I'm experiencing, I'm very present, I'm very mindful of a food that I'm eating and I don't like it or the taste is not consistent with my you know, sophisticated palate, which is not all that sophisticated, but is that the kind of judgment that you're meaning or is it go a little deeper than that? No, I think it's okay. You don't have to pretend like you like the salad if you don't like the salad. That's more of a preference thing. But I think when we talk about a lack of judgment, it's really a, a lack of, um, a lack of negative self-talk or a, a lack of, um, trying to quantify your worth of the worth of your experience you know like making a, a criticism of the self because that diverts away from 
the the truth of the experience and is veering into what you did right or wrong and and that's not the point of mindfulness or or don't say oh i can't believe i just paid 27 dollars for this salad yeah that <laughs> sure so let's let's walk down that path because I think that gets us to the internal side of things. So let's put it in a let's put it in a workplace context for our listeners. And listeners, if you have any thoughts on mindfulness or where you're at, you can always email us at podcast at Coeus Creative Group. Love to hear if you have any practices or experiences uh, such as any of the ones that we're talking about today. But so I'm I'm in the office. And uh, somebody is giving a presentation and they say something and I'm focused, I'm listening and they say something and I just feel this anger or frustration just wash over me. Walk me through what mindfulness would teach us. How would we manage that? Well, I'm so angry at this person or I just feel this and I wanna react, but I'm, I'm trying to be mindful, I'm trying to be present. What would I be looking at in that situation? That's a good question. So when you experience that sort of overwhelming emotion and you're looking at it through a mindfulness lens, I think of it as like putting a pin in it. Like, oh, I'm noticing that I'm having a really strong reaction to this. I'm going to think about that and 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 maybe try and trace why. And so um, rather than like jumping on it and being like, ah, oh, you have wronged me, just say, oh, I've noticed that this is happening. Later, I'll have to look into that. And I'm saying later, um, just because I'm assuming this is a, a, a conversational space where you don't have the time to like really sit with what's happening. If you are in like a comfortable relationship, like a really good friend or like a partner or something, uh, I've said like in the moment, like, oh, I'm noticing that I feel really upset about this right now, but I can't tell you why exactly. Like, can we talk through that? So those are, I guess, two approaches. I like that. So, you know, in, in some instances, I think people forget that there's a small window. There's this gap in between from having an emotional reaction and then having a behavioral reaction. So in that mindfulness space, there's, there's this, this small window where we don't have to react to an emotion that we felt, or we don't have to behave according to our immediate feelings. I can be really frustrated and angry, but not scream at somebody or not, you know, get a uh, pound on the desk or anything else. There's a gap in there. Is mindfulness something that maybe helps us to expand that gap or to make that gap larger so we're not necessarily reactive or not necessarily, um, you know, going into that behavioral space as quickly? Yeah, definitely. I think that mindfulness is that, and it, um, it is a tool that helps you understand that your emotions aren't overwhelming impulses that you must act on all the time. I, I think it, it helps you understand that, you, you know, you can't control your feelings. They're going to exist, and you can recognize them as they are. You can't change if you're angry about this. But what you can control is how you behave in response. So yes, I think that I think it helps you separate the two. And I think mindfulness, while being that gap, I kind of look at it as mindfulness is like, or being mindful, I should say, is like the brakes on a car. It helps you stop, gives you a minute, 
and then you can figure out which way you're going to go. So what I would want to avoid in that workplace scenario is I get frustrated and then I get mad at myself and be like, why do I always get so frustrated in this? Like that's the judgment I want to pull back from. And one of the key words I think you said, Stephanie, was I'm going to unpack this and, and ask myself, why? Why did I get frustrated? What was it about that situation that made me feel that surge of frustration? Was it the way that they said something? Was it what they said? Was it because the person uh, that said it, I have some sort of adversarial relationship with? And sort of getting in deeper and deeper into that um, experience. Would that be an accurate representation? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think mindfulness is the first step in, uh, in the investigation process there. And, and that's really asking why is how to make mindfulness go the extra mile, because it's great to live in the moment and notice the things around you. But at some point saying, um, just naming things won't help you as much as like really considering like, okay, I've noticed this feeling. Um, so what, what is causing it to exist? Wouldn't it be great if we could all find that space and actually understand ourselves a little better? That seems, you know, to be a value proposition. So let's switch gears. And what can our audience do if we're looking at mindfulness? What can our audience do to maybe practice this uh, tool? Or, you know, we understand that it's, it's reserving judgment. It's focusing on internal, external, being very aware, being very present, noticing the world around us. What are some maybe practical tips that our audience could walk away with today that would help them? Or, you know, some different exercises that they may be able to do that would get them in that mentality of mindfulness? I think one of them is if, if they find themselves in a situation where they're emotionally reacting to something, maybe they need to take a couple deep breaths before they take action or do a, you know, count down in their head, three, two, one, whatever, or count up, whatever works for them. Um, but that, that will also create a little bit of a gap for them instead of responding right away. And I think if they, if they create that gap, if they want to then decide they want to respond to said person, they're doing it from more of a, a level position instead of an elevated uh, emotion or whatnot. And I can be like, you know, Jay, you had said something earlier that, um, you know, I react, you know, I, I reacted to, and I just want to maybe get a better understanding of what you said or why you said it, where you're coming from versus... Jay, I can't believe you said this, you know, type thing. And I, I think they can then work between both of them, which in turn is maybe making both people more mindful in the long run. Yeah. And that seems, that's really well documented in neuroscience too, is, is actually taking that deep breath or taking the counting to 10 or whatever else can slow down our limbic reaction. So our fight, flight, or faint response. So I, I think that that's a, a wonderful way for us to maybe practice that mindfulness is to, okay, let's not react. Let's think about the why and take a deep breath, sort of breathe it in and breathe it out. What else might we be able to do? 
but also don't be awkward about it. So <laughs> if, if your colleague is standing there with you, don't count to 10. Just One, count two, to maybe three, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Still angry. Yeah. <laughs> right. Because because if you do, if, if you are set, if you if you're a very process-driven person, if you're one of our you know, earth types, right? And we tell you to practice coming to 10. And that person standing right in front of you, you are going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, real quick. But you're not, you're not focused. You're not, you're not clearing that emotion reaction out of it. You're just checking off that box of I counted to 10. Now I can respond because, you know, the Behave Intelligently podcast said I just had to count to 10. So it's one of those where um, you do want to create that gap, that break. So maybe that break is just one, two, three, deep breath. Now I can continue talking. Or if you can't respond at that point, find an exit. So really funny story. And pay attention to your body language while you're doing that. Again, there's that noticing. Because I have literally seen somebody who was counting to 10 with their lips, not doing it out loud, but like literally you could see it on their lips. Like this person is literally visually counting to 10 to stop themselves from reacting to this. So awareness of body is a critical skill and, you know, and body language, definitely something that we'll talk about in future episodes, but uh, that awareness I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of my favorite mindfulness practices is journaling is is and and I'm not a good writer or anything like that it's not something where I'm like oh I love to journal my day or whatever else but if I'm having a severe internal reaction to something I find that actually writing it out or putting it on paper is so cathartic like I just I feel better afterwards but at the same time that actual process seems to bring a a level of clarity that maybe I didn't have before. And it doesn't take long. I don't have to sit there and write, you know, war and peace or a treatise, you know, uh, that is 500 pages. It literally may be less than a quarter of a page of writing, but that focusing on it and just sort of putting that on paper, that, that very act. um, I found that when I'm having a large internal struggle or if I'm really, you know, I, I was asked a question by a colleague uh, who, is, who is trying to understand some behaviors of an organization that they're in. And I literally sat there and, and I didn't have access to a pen and paper at the moment, but I started to type out what was happening in that scenario. And about, I don't know, maybe, maybe five lines into typing this out, it was one of those things where I was like, this is most likely the cause. This was the trigger, the stimulus that created this behavior. And that's how this did this. But it was, it was that actual mindful practice of being present, writing it down, that sort of brought that out for me. So that maybe is one of my tips is uh, if you're experiencing or you want to really experience something, journal it, write it down, get it on paper. Uh, think about the, you know, what Mark said earlier, the touch, the taste, the sense, the smell, the feeling, the emotion, the thoughts, and get all of that on paper. That'll really help to bring you into that moment. Yeah, I love that. Uh, What I'm going to say is, like we said before, um, don't expect yourself to be in a state of total focus and mindfulness all the time. What is really helpful is taking just like two to three or like five minutes to do exercises here and there. And it's, it's like training like a muscle 
right? Your little mindfulness workout. And so um, pick a time that works for you. Like some people like to do right when they wake up in the morning. Some people like to do it as their bedtime routine or um, during something that you would be doing anyway. For example, like I would be mindful as I brush my teeth. What does it feel like as the toothbrush runs over my gums? Like, how am I moving my hands? Like, what is the, like, how, how does the toothpaste taste and feel? Or like washing your hair, like how does it feel like to touch your head at the back or at the front or, you know? Um, so take, identify very small and specific experiences to be mindful about, or take five minutes here and there to sit, set aside, close your eyes, do some breathing and, and, and like do a, a body scan, like how do I feel from head to toe? That would be my advice is to take it in little slices. And then if you practice it like that, it'll become a more natural thing to do in your day-to-day -day life. So kind of like our discussion on habits in one of our previous episodes where we talked about starting tiny and sort of building up that muscle or building up that consistency, that routine, um, by even mundane things like brushing our teeth or, uh, you know, the way that we wash our hair and, and kind of focusing on that almost single tasking in those instances can help us build that mentality. I think that's great. Let's find out what Madison weighs in on this question. So I guess my biggest piece of advice to anyone would be to start small. So I would say doing that controlled breathing, like I mentioned, or even that three minute body scan, those are super easy ways to practice mindfulness. And I also think yoga is a great place to look because everyone knows what yoga is or has at least taken a class. And um, they teach you a lot about mindfulness and they'll really teach you how to be in tune with your body and do a lot of controlled breathing, um, things like that. And it's super accessible right now. You can go on YouTube and find classes for free. So I think that we're nearing the end of our time here. I want to say thank you to our audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Behave Intelligently. If you enjoyed today's episode and you were really present and mindful throughout the entire thing, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you might be listening. Let us know what you think about the episode and email us your thoughts at podcast at coeuscreativegroup.com. And if you want to learn more about Coeus Creative Group and mindfulness, visit our website or connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Tune in next time when we talk more about behaving intelligently.